Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gold Prospecting Network. I'm your host, Justin, and would like to personally thank you all for joining us today. Every day, the network is getting bigger and bigger, the website is growing, and the number of people signing up for the newsletter climbs higher. This is the first episode we have published, and to start things off, we have Eric Greywolf Brigden in for an interview. Many of you already know him from the various prospecting forums and Facebook groups as an active member in the prospecting community and as the manufacturer of the Grey Wolf High Banker line of mining equipment. So to get things started, Eric, thanks for joining us today. How's your day going? It's uh, been going good. I've been out in the shop working on building some trommels and that and uh, high bankers. So yeah, it's, it's going good. Excellent. And those high bankers and the trommels, that's for one of your projects that you've got on the go, uh, one of your claims that you're going mechanical on? Uh, no, the trommel is actually going to South Africa, uh, oh. Sierra Leone. Wow. And uh, the high bankers I'm building for the gold show in Cornell uh, on April, for April 21st, 22nd. Yeah, I've seen the post for that on the Caribou Mining Association, their gold show that's coming up pretty soon. Yep. Excellent. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, how did you get into prospecting? Where did it all begin for you? I actually started prospecting, well, I was always an avid reader, and when I was in actually in elementary school, um, you know, I, I came across some books on uh, Barkerville and that, and at the same time, Bill Barley had a show on TV, Ghost Trails and Gold Towns, I believe it was called? Yep, that's it. And uh, I was, uh, I mean, we only had uh, CBC, uh TV at the time, and, and so it was on every Saturday. And oh. so, I mean, I got really interested in it then. Do you remember when the first time you ever found any gold? Do you remember that moment? Yeah, I was about hmm, 17. I was working for Bill Crombie, uh, or no, Ed Crombie, I should say. And we were actually logging out on the top end of Keithley Creek. Okay. And... You know, I, I, because I've, uh, of all the reading I've done, and I, I knew about the blue clay and this and that. And one day we were broke down, so I, you know, nothing to do. And middle of winter, worst time you could ever think of doing any panning. Always is. But, you know, being 17 and young, dumb, and stupid, I, and I did have a hubcap, and I, I went down, I scratched up some material. In a hubcap? In a hubcap, I have a Volkswagen hubcap. Oh, that's excellent. And I went down, scraped up some dirt off the side, out of the ditch, and I went, you know, walked down the creek through about three feet of snow, and I panned it out, and, and I found found a little bit of gold there. That's where I sort of got started. And that hubcap, do you still have that hubcap as the, you know, the, the first the gold, gold pan you ever used? I am taking, I am getting some Volkswagen hubcaps to take up the, the, the gold show, uh, to do a panning uh, competition that for some reason I somehow got entered into. You somehow got, a, somebody entered you into the competition? Yeah, Jackie and Richard, apparently, you know, the uh, president and secretary of the CMA entered me into this panning competition. Well, let's hope it goes well for you then. Does, is there any specific I'm moments in so? <laughs> Are there any specific moments in time that stand out for you in, in your prospecting career? Many, 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 many. I mean, I've, I've been playing around with this for basically 40 years. Um, I've had some good times. I've had some bad times. I've had some times that are just de defy definition. Are there any specific examples you might be able to give us? Uh, 
slipping and getting washed over waterfalls. That does not sound like fun. No, it hurt like hell. <laughs> I bet it did. Um, having a cow moose uh, chase me into Caribou Lake where I discovered I could walk on water for about 50 feet <laughs> right under. You had a bear chase you around your van one time. I remember seeing the video on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, that that was interesting. I mean, I, I, I had bear spray. I had a chainsaw. None of which actually even seemed to affect it. It just sort of sat down, growled at me. So I bailed in my, into my truck and uh, drove away as fast as I could. And so, did, I mean, it, it, it chased me around my truck. I, I went underneath the truck. It could not. It was too big. It couldn't get any there. So there was just nothing chasing this bear away from you at all. It was dead set on remaining there until you left. It was hungry. It, it was, was hungry. hungry. I guess I looked like a good meal to it. <laughs> Well, I'm sure most people look like a good meal to a bear. Luckily, I haven't had a scare that close yet, and, and hopefully I never do. But you never know. When you're that far into the wilderness, anything can really happen. And it's not just bears. It's, it's you know, wolves, coyotes, uh, cougars, especially up in that area and on Vancouver Island. Lots of cougars out there. Well, actually, cougars are not an issue. Like, for, for a full-grown full man, a cougar might attack you if it feels threatened. But it's not going to attack you because it thinks you're a food source. Like, mm -hmm. cougars when they attack smaller animals are looking at a food source, but a full grown man, I mean, they're going to look, they're going to go like, no, no, they don't want to do that. A bear may black bears, the grizzlies as a rule are not an issue. I mean, people think, you know, grizzly, big bear, but grizzlies, they just sort of wander around. They, they don't want to mess with anybody. Um, black bears are probably a bigger problem for people than grizzly. Well, I remember. As a rule, are not a problem. I remember about two years ago, uh, I was out on my claim uh, just north of Wells, BC, and I was driving towards Highway 97 on one of the Forest Service roads, and I came across what I thought was a deer running across the road about 300 meters ahead. And I remember looking at it, going, "What kind of a deer is that?" And then all of a sudden, I saw the tail whip in the light, and I thought, "Oh my, that is not a deer. That's a cougar." Luckily for me, it was in the bush and, and and didn't come anywhere near me, and I just kept driving by. Thankfully, it was in my truck. But not a situation that I would it's, ever want to get into, ever. No, but uh, cougars, as a rule, don't attack people. I mean, I mean, we've all heard cases where where cougars have attacked people. Yeah. But generally, they are attacking something they think that might be game. But if you're a full-grown man, uh, a cougar is not an issue. Let's hope it, it never does become an issue. Are you, are you able to tell us about some of the challenges you faced along the way? Uh, some things that may have perhaps made you rethink your approach to prospecting. Old age. Definitely something that would slow a person down. Yeah, like I'm getting to where, you know, like I'm getting older and my, my knees are shot. I can't get out and stumble through the bush as I used to. So now, I mean, I move slowly and I, I cannot cover the ground I used to cover. Yeah. Um, if people want to go out prospecting, um, do it now. Uh, well, you can, because when you get to be 60 or 70, you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, you're just, your body will not be able to do it. And I'm an old, I'm an old logger. I mean, I'm tougher than hell. Some of the train that's out there can be very, very challenging. Do it anymore. Yeah, no, I totally understand. There, there's so much terrain out there, and a lot of times people are, are buying claims or, or, or just grabbing a parcel of land and not realizing where it is, and then all of a sudden they've got a, a gully or a gulch they have to go down, and 
it can be pretty treacherous, even for the young person. There, there was a spot that I recall having. No kidding. Quite yeah, a like, while ago, yeah. You take you take most of BC, like uh, majority of people that want to go prospecting, come from either city, you know, they come from very domestic domesticated ground in a sense. You come to gold country in BC, most of it is straight up and down. It is. And it's not easy ground to just. You can't just. It's not like a skip in the park. It is tough ground, even when you're 20, to maneuver around on. It it, it takes, uh, physically, you have to be in good shape. It's not something you're going to just, you know, skip to the loo through and, and do. I recall there was a claim that I had quite a while ago, a number of years ago. It was one of the first claims that I'd ever purchased. And there was this hill, and it's, to me, on Google Earth, it looked like the easiest and best way to get down to the creek itself. <laughs> and going down that hill... I remember thinking to myself, this is almost vertical. And it had been clear cut probably in the last five years or so. And so, I got about so three quarters. It was only like a 40 degree slope. About that, yeah. And, and I recall looking at it from halfway down going, oh man, I, I'm not going to the bottom of this and I'm not getting back up. And it took about 20 minutes to get to the, the midway point. And, and then it took two hours up, getting back up. This is hard, buddy. It was extremely tough. Not something that I was at all looking forward to in the future. <laughs> Needless to say, I found another way into that property. Well, no, I mean, like years ago, I was out prospecting. And this is after I blew, I'd blown my knees out and I was still... Uh, I had knee braces on, and I was using a walker half the time and, and, and canes. And I was out of Keithley Creek, and I drug my, at that time, right at that time, this is, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. But I built a wooden high banker out of cedar. Yep. So, I mean, you can imagine this thing was heavy. Yep. Well, I drug that down. I, I made a little travasse uh, uh, or whatever you call it. Yep. So I put everything on there, that and my pump and my, my shovels and this and that. And I drug it down through a trail I'd, I'd slashed up all the way to Keith the Creek, about a mile and a half. And I got it down there and set up and I, and I, and I washed away for a few days. You know, And I got about an ounce of gold in about three days. That's a good haul. Yeah. But I mean, every day coming back up, because I, mean, I was like, I had my leg braces on and this and that. And... It would take me probably an hour to crawl back up that hill, about a mile and a half. Oh, boy. Because half the way, I would be crawling on my hands and knees. I I just could not walk. What kept you going in that situation? Why, why did you decide to continue on on that property with your, your legs and your knees the way that they were? Uh, it was purely desperation, really. Did you return to that claim, that property in the future as well, uh, while your legs were still in that shape? No, I, I never did. Um I mean, the reason I, I ended up in that situation is because I went bankrupt. Yeah. And when I went bankrupt, I went, well, I have no other choice. I mean, I, that was the only the last thing I could do. Yeah. But I made, I made out okay. You know, I made enough to survive on and get by on and uh, continue on. So, yeah, and, I, and that's what, you know, that's what the whole thing is. It's how tough are you? And, and a tough skin and, and a tough gold person. Mining, gold mining is not an easy route to go. It's definitely a, an industry and, and, you know, for many a hobby that requires a very, very tough frame of mind and, and a, a good sense of physical fitness. And survival. Yes. And survival. And that's what, that's, that's what I was doing. So uh, a number of years ago, uh, you created the Grey Wolf High Banker line. Um, you've, you've got a number of different models of high bankers, sluices, finishing sluices, uh, rocker boxes uh, that you manufacture yourself in your shop. Uh, what yep. was your inspiration behind creating this equipment? Um, 
Well, okay, I, I was making stuff for myself, and I showed it on uh, a forum, and then, you know, I, I just showed it on the forum, just, you know, okay, this is what I this is what I make for myself, this is what I use, and then people said, well, can you make me one? And it just kind of grew from that point on? It's, it's grown from that on, and I mean, what I make, um, it's a little, I mean, what I make is a little heavier than what most uh, other manufacturers make but what i make is i make it to be bush ready you know all you gotta do is hook a hose up to it and it's pretty much indestructible i mean you'd have to run over it with a with a pickup truck to actually wreck it well i've i've got one of your diamond plate high bankers that, that i purchased from you a couple of years ago and i've used that many times in in my claims and I know that uh, just recently you posted some photographs of some of your high bankers that are being used right now in Africa. Yeah, they just love it. I'm, I'm actually making them a trommel, and I'm going to send it over there. And it's actually design, designed to be dismantled so that, you know, like the biggest, heaviest part of it would be like 50 pounds. So they can pack it anywhere they want to go, like dismantle it, put it on mules or on backpacks, and just pack it anywhere they want. You're going to have to let me know how that goes, because I'm seriously considering getting a trauma myself for a property that I currently have uh, and, and want to go mechanical on. It's a few years down the road, but I'm going to have to have a look at that design, because I, I do think it's going to be quite an interesting piece from you. I've seen a lot of your equipment, and it is quite sturdy it's very durable and it works it works quite well not to turn this into an advertising moment for you here oh, no, but well, thank you it, but, it, it uh, does uh, hold up i i sh really gonna try to have one ready for the Quinell gold show when is the Quinell gold show happening do you know the dates for that uh it's next weekend april 22nd 23rd and you're you've got a line in that every year i think i've seen a number of stuff from you posting on your your high bankers well, within i've the... been there for the last uh going up there for the last uh five, six years now. And in that gold show, it, what happens in these gold shows, uh, the, specifically the Quinell gold show? I know it's quite a big event in BC and, and uh, there's a number of different uh, parties and companies that do join in. What what occurs in these these gold shows? Uh, well, mainly, mainly, okay, it's a vendor advertising thing. But, uh, I mean, I, I went up there, well, like last year I went up there, I, I didn't even have a high banker with me. I went up there, and uh, me and Matt, uh, a buddy of mine from Williams Lake, we took his trommel up there. We did a trommel display. Uh, I didn't even have any high bankers with me. I had my table, but I didn't have any high bankers. And we had a great time, and I sold uh, six high bankers while I was there. But I was, I was mainly, I was outside uh, running loader and uh, excavator and... Uh, making this trommel display work that's that's it, fantastic it, to hear it's kind of, it's kind of bizarre like it, it's a caribou thing we do some of the goofiest stuff well small towns you, you tend to have fun right well that's the thing and i mean this this year uh, apparently there's going to be 45 to 50 vendors um we're looking at maybe having between eight and ten thousand uh people show up to see it oh boy it, it, it's actually turning into a pretty very big show. I do recall in the last couple of days hearing Richard, who is the president of the Caribou Mining Association, talking about how this is turning out to be the largest event they've held to date. Definitely, uh, definitely in Canada. And uh, I mean, they, they probably have bigger shows down in the states, but they have a huge population too. And where is the the show being hosted this year? Alex Fraser uh, Park. It's just as you come into Quinell from the south end. 
You look over, you can see McDonald's restaurant and the Alex Fraser uh, arena is right there. And that's where it's being held. Fantastic. Well, I, I personally would love to go this year. Can't do it. Too much on the go. But one year I'll make it out there. So um, recently, you began the process of mechanical mining on one of your claims. Uh, it's it's obviously been a long road filled with paperwork and red tape. Are you able to run us through the process you had to go through to get to the point where you're now able to start moving machinery and uh, get up and running with a little more than just a shovel and a high banker? Uh, yeah. I mean, what what I did is I did up a mining plan, which is called a, a notice of work or a now. And in that, I, I put in for the area that we were going to be mining. You know, they're gonna, we're going to be developing over the next five years and, you know, put in for... In that, you have to put in your uh, MERP, which is your uh, emergency response plan involving all of your, any issue that could come up, be it, uh, you know, an accident happens, you know, like if somebody gets hurt, WCB stuff, also environmental accidents, you know, like uh, dam bursting, this and that. So you, you have to have all your first aid stuff there, you have to have all your contact information there. If if something goes sideways, so who are you going to contact for this or that? Um, and then, you know, you, you've got to come up with your bonding. And the bonding was about $4,500, $5,000 a hectare. Now, this year, it may go up to $10,000, $15,000 a hectare, which is actually kind of understandable. What most people don't realize, um, those are reclamation costs. Yeah. And and those those costs reclaim the land after you've done done some disturbance. Those costs that that's quite a jump, especially for the small time prospector who's trying to go mechanical and may not have the funds uh, to put up those bonds per hectare. Uh, and therefore, they're going to have to figure out that they're going to have to probably partner up with with uh, some friends. And to do that, one thing I'll tell you, if you're going to do something like that, make sure you have written contracts with each other and you totally understand what you're getting into. Yes, that I don't think uh, that can you, be understated. Because, I mean, you, you, Justin, you know, I, I had a partnership go sideways. So if you're going to do that, you better have a signed written contract so that in order to safeguard yourself, and to make everything kosher. Absolutely. And and nothing is more important in this world, I feel, than, than legally binding contracts. Because the last thing you want is to be throwing, you know, like you said, ten to $15,000 per hectare in reclamation. There, and you've got four or five that, that's included in your mining plan. The last thing you want is for somebody to take off on you with, with that money. Or, you know, perhaps say, well, sorry, I'm out. And now you don't, you don't have all the funding that you require. No kidding. <laughs> no, I've never been in that situation, thankfully. And, and I hope I never do. But... You never know what's going to happen, especially if you're... I'm good at recovering. Yeah. I've seen you recover from a number of goes in the past, so I know that if there's anybody out in this world that can do it, it's it's the big gray wolf. So... Yeah, so no, it's 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 slowly coming together. I mean, it it's not something you just dive into, but like for mom and pop people, go into it as a hobby. Don't think you're going to get rich. You know, go into it as a hobby. If you find the right ground where you can sort of cover your costs then by all means i think don't you... jump into it thinking i'm going to get rich because it's a lot of exceptionally hard work a lot of trial and error and a lot of money i think you nailed yeah. you yeah. nailed it with with your statement 
uh, don't think of it as something that's going to get you rich. Because, I mean, everybody's watched the the gold shows that are on TV. You know, Gold yeah, Rush, Yukon Gold, Bering Sea Gold. And they see the amount of gold they're pulling out of the ground. And, oh, my God, you know, Parker Schnabel has... He, he's made $3.5 million in gold this year. Well, his costs are probably close to $3 million just yeah. for that one season. The cost of running those excavators, the cost of running those dozers, the cost of running those wash plants, the payroll, the food, all that stuff is tremendous. Luckily, Justin, like I've always been, like I, I, I was a, a small-time logger, but I, I always worked in the logging industry. So I'm quite aware of the cost of equipment and what it costs to operate it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have that advantage over most people is, is because I, I, my entire life for, since I was like 15, 16, I've been involved in that type of resource extraction industry. Yes, yes. Most people don't. And I assume along the way you've made a number of contacts that have helped you out in figuring out how to get whatever oh, machinery I mean, you need I, and so I've on. Got a, I've got a guy that if, if I need equipment, I can get equipment. And basically, I can get equipment on a handshake with him. But because I've dealt with this guy for like over 30-some years. Now, most people don't have that luxury. No, they don't. It's very difficult. But I've, I've, I've known this guy. My dad bought his first logging equipment off him 50 years ago. So, you know, I, I have that slight advantage. Um, for most people, I would say, you know, just, just take it slow and easy. Go into it as a hobby. Um you you can get into small time gold prospecting, you know, plaster money for the price of uh, a couple pickups. So, yeah, if you had like two or three people involved, if you, think of it this way, you know, financing about two or three pickups. Yeah, and you would have a, a nice small show going. You can you can rent or right. I guess you can lease a number of the small bobcats or small little excavators. You know, like a half yard bucket on on that excavator there. You, you can you can for like uh, quite cheap, about two hundred dollars a day. And if you're if you're pulling out an ounce a day, you can cover your costs alone. In that sense, yes, you could. We are working at putting some some courses together on this kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm writing up, a working on, I'm putting together a book on hand mining up, but we also, you know, like we're looking at putting together some courses on this kind of stuff, um, and making, make the course affordable and uh, to lay out the entire costs and this and that of what it would take to make it. If you wanted to go into, uh, mining, you know, even small time mechanical, um, and, and show you what it would, what it would actually take. And those courses, are they being done through the CMA or are they being done to the mineral titles branch? Sure. Um, right now, just working on them. It'll be, it'll be through some government agency um, because we did try to put the course through once before and they decided to charge it so outrageously high that nobody could afford to take the thing. How do you think the, the new provincial election is going to affect prospecting in, in BC? I mean, you've got the Liberals who are in power right now, and for the most part, they have been If the Liberals friendly. stay in power, which I hope they do, which I want them to be, it, things will carry on as normal. If the NDP gets in, we're hooped. Yes, and there's already been a lot of talk about what's going to happen in the industry. If the NDP gets in, they will shut down the province as far as any resource extraction industries go. Let's, let's hope it doesn't get to that point because there are thousands of jobs at stake in BC, not just in, in mining, but also in forestry and, and, and all sorts of other industries. Oil and gas, for example. You got that pipeline that's going through the Northern everything, Gateway Pipeline. Everything. Yep. Everything is, well, BC is a resource-based province. If it wasn't for the resources, yeah, BC are. would and have so no economy. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So another question for you. 
Uh, living in, in Williams Lake, you're rather close to the rich caribou gold fields in locations such as Likely and Barkerville. Um, they're only a stone's throw away from you. Uh, do you think that mining in those areas, which have historically seen placer mining for over the last hundred years, do you, do you think it's still economically viable for someone to get into mining in the in the in the caribou, whether it be in any of those two areas, Likely or Barkerville, or even someplace that is currently closed off, like the Horsefly region? Yes, um, but the but people have to realize they're going to have to invest. In order to go mining, even Plasterman, they are going to have to invest like a hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars to actually do it. It's not something they can do for uh, ten thousand. I mean, you can go hand mining, but to actually go mechanical mining, you're going to have to invest. You've got to buy the equipment. You got to you're going to have to invest like a hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars in a sense. Which is is actually, if you wanted to go logging, you would have to invest. Uh, at least a million dollars to go logging. Not something that's very cheap. Not something that most people can get into without at least a couple of people assisting them with, not only financially, but also in giving them advice and, and pointers in which way to go. Do, do you that's feel it's... You're going to have to partner up. Do, do you feel it's important that people have experienced placer miners showing them the way right off the start? Or do you think it's something that most people can get into and start doing on their own by learning the ropes over the course of three, four, five years? They would be better off to look at working with experienced plaster miners. Uh, just joining the Caribou uh, Mining Association and just spend uh, time talking with uh, the people that are, are mining right now. Just, uh, we're about to wrap things up here. So uh, are there any questions that you have, or sorry, any any advice that you have that you can give to somebody who's just starting out, someone who's just starting to learn the ropes, uh, any any resources that you'd like to point them towards, any people you, you think that they should get in contact with on, on you know, any of the Facebook groups or research. any of the forums that are out there? Okay, research, research, research. Do your research, go out and do your actual prospecting, you know, like, I have people calling me up every day and they, they want to know things. And I go like, do your research. Well, that's why I'm talking to you. I said, no, 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 no. I have links on my website to where to go do the research. Go do the research. I know that you're one of the guys that definitely needs to be spoken to. You're one of the guys that I gained most of my knowledge on prospecting from. In fact, I can honestly say that you're one of the people that got me into it uh, just by reading what you had been posting on a number of the forums. And I think I did kind of grab on to the information that you were providing at the time. And well, without it, I, I would be lost. Well, Justin, even even on my on my website, I've got links to all the information. You do indeed. And for those that don't know, the website address is graywolfhighbankers.com. Greywolf also runs the goldprospectorsforum.ca, uh, two fantastic research locations or locations that you can research anything you need to know about prospecting, especially in the province of BC. Um, a lot of the information also applies because, let's face it, gold is gold and it is found in most areas around the world. You just have to know how to find it. So Greywolf, I would like to thank you so very much for coming out and, and hanging out with us today, giving us some information, some pointers and some tips. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show in the future. Sounds good to me. Excellent. Thank you very much, Grey Wolf. Have yourself a good night. You too, Justin. Good talking to you again. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and we have more to come shortly. Please like and share the Gold Prospecting Network Facebook page with your fellow prospectors. Sign up for the newsletter at goldprospectingnetwork.com. And don't forget, keep your gold pans wet, and don't let the color escape. <laughs>